Welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show, Sunday edition. Yes, the Sunday edition where I briefly go through the articles and lowlights that we weren't able to cover over the course of the last week. And let's face it, ever since Biden has been installed into office, it's been nothing but lowlights with one dumpster fire after another. So without any further delays, here is the Sunday brief. So Andrew McCabe is back in the news, once again proving that if you're a Democrat, crime does pay. Now, for those of you who don't remember who Andrew McCabe was, he was the number two guy at the FBI fired by President Trump for his involvement in the biggest scandal and abuse of power in American history. He was there when the FBI was weaponized against Republicans, where they used a phony document paid for by the Democrats in order to spy on a Republican candidate for president. And then somehow that information that they gathered during their spying operation made its way to the Hillary Clinton campaign. And of course, you know the rest of the story. When James Comey was fired, that sparked a special counsel investigation where tens of millions of dollars were spent to harass a Republican president without any basis, with no crimes, using only a phony document created by the Democrats for, well, just to try and sabotage. Republicans to justify weaponizing the FBI. So what is the latest news? Well, Andrew McCabe, FBI official fired by Trump, gets his pension restored. Yes, with Biden into office, not only does he get his pension restored, but he gets an extra $700,000 for, quote, wrongful termination. Of course, just like James Comey. Okay, yeah, he lost his job and then made millions on a book in which he peddled a bunch of lies. And the book publishers gave him very large advances on said book. So not only is there zero consequences for any Democrat engaged in any criminal activity or abuse of power, but they are often rewarded for such activity. Meanwhile, Republicans are prosecuted and impeached for absolutely no reason. No crime, no evidence of a crime, no witnesses to a crime. So if you're a Republican, it is just criminal for you to even dare run for office. But if you're a Democrat, you can do anything you want and you will be rewarded for it. And what will the Republicans do if they ever retake the House and the Senate? Absolutely nothing. Maybe, just maybe if we're lucky, they may complain about it into a camera on TV, but that's all they're going to do because that's all they ever do. So what's the point? No, I'm serious. What is the point? When you got Republicans in D.C. and the House and the Senate, who are more willing to speak out about their support for impeachment should you try and stop the Democrats' illegal and unconstitutional actions, such as what we saw when they were telling Trump, don't you dare fire the baseless Mueller probe. Don't you dare stop the fraudulent investigation that the Democrats started or we'll impeach you and yet say nothing about any of the illegal and unconstitutional acts of the Democrats, then what's the point? Because it almost seems like the Republicans in D.C. only exist to support the Democrats, giving us a false sense of choice, a false sense that we have a voice in government. Because even if they do officially block anything Biden tries to pass through the legislature, if Biden just does it unconstitutionally through an executive order, they're not going to do anything about it, just like we saw with DACA. So the next story that we have involves the January 6th protest. Yes, protest where we have video evidence of the Capitol Police inviting the protesters in, telling them they have a First Amendment right to protest. And they strolled 
the halls of Congress as if they were taking a tour, took pictures of themselves sitting behind the desks of our elected leaders, and some of them got a little rowdy, but not much, right? Now, after being held in solitary confinement and even being denied medical care for conditions that they have, they are going before an Obama-appointed judge who is sentencing them to 50% longer terms than the prosecutors are asking for. Yes, that's right. The prosecutors are seeking maybe, you know, 15 to 30 days, and the judge is going, no, 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 that's not long enough. We're going to go 45 to 60 days, and that's what we're going for. So we have a judge giving longer sentences than what the prosecution is seeking because people, after being invited in by the Capitol Police, strolled the halls of Congress and took pictures of themselves sitting behind congressional desks. Meanwhile, on the other hand, if you're a left-wing terrorist that's not only storming buildings, federal buildings, but also setting them on fire, you face zero consequences for your action. In fact, you're being told, no, 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 that's peaceful protesting, setting federal buildings on fire, setting police stations on fire with police officers still in it. That is peaceful protest. And not only will there be zero consequences, but the police will be instructed to let you do it. How can we survive as a democracy when one side gets to do whatever they want, engage in whatever level of violence that they want, and yet, on the other hand, the other side it faces prosecution for actually exercising their constitutional rights under the First Amendment to peacefully protest. So if you're violent, that's okay as long as you're doing it for left-wing cause. If you're peaceful, well, that, but against left-wing causes, well, that must be shut down and prosecuted, even to the point where they are now targeting parents at school board meetings and targeting them as potential domestic terrorists for speaking out over the course materials being taught in the classroom. And where are the Republicans? Sure, they'll give some lip service. At least some Republicans at the state level are doing something, but at the federal level, nothing. They're perfectly fine with prosecuting Republicans for protesting the fraudulent election on January 6th and fine with the nothing happening to anybody burning down federal buildings in support of the Democrats. Another situation in which the Republicans give the Democrats a complete pass on any consequences to anything they do and more concerned about holding Republicans accountable even for non-criminal activities. So what's the point of the Republican Party, I ask you? And at this particular moment in time, I don't know. Now, speaking of fraudulent elections, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer pushes for vote on election bill for next week. Oh, yes, the, as Ted Cruz puts it, the Corrupt Politicians Act, where the Democrats at the federal level are trying to seek an unconstitutional federalization of our election to violate the Constitution that states that the time, place, and manner of elections are at the sole discretion of the state legislature. But once again, the Democrats don't give a rip what the Constitution says, and they are seeking to violate the Constitution and take over elections so that they can be rigged endlessly so that Democrats could never possibly lose. And if this passes, there will never be a free and fair election ever again. And what will the Republicans do if it passes? Nothing. Maybe if we're lucky, they'll whine about it on TV. And if we're really lucky, they'll file a lawsuit in federal court as if that will do any good. 
with judges so corrupt, as we saw in DACA, as to say, you must continue an illegal and unconstitutional program because there will be absolutely zero consequences for judges should they issue rulings in direct opposition to what the Constitution says or to what the law says. For them to abuse their power to basically subvert the laws and the Constitution to their political philosophy, to their political whims, zero consequences. And we will be stuck with a rigged election forever and ever as the country is destroyed. Because as always, the Republicans will never do anything about it. And this Corrupt Politicians Act, the Election Reform Bill, let's be clear, it is wholeheartedly illegal and unconstitutional. And once again, the Democrats don't care because they know the Republicans won't do anything about it. And to further the point of the Democrats seeking to forever rig election so that the outcomes are predetermined, we see that in Vermont, they are passing new laws to allow illegal immigrants to vote in government elections. So yes, if they take a look at the polls and the polls say the voters don't support them, they're just going to import new voters from around the world that they believe confidently will vote for them and keep them in power. And yet the Democrats want to say it is racist and conspiracy theory to claim that the Democrats are engaged in such actions as voter replacement. And yet here we see that the Democrats blatantly engage in voter replacement as they seek to drown out the voice of citizens in this country to elect their leaders and import illegally immigrants from around the world in order to vote in the elections so that the Democrats can stay into power. And that's what they plan on doing. I wouldn't be surprised if the Democrats in their election reform bill are actually trying to pass a provision that would say illegal immigrants are allowed to vote in the election. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I say that now, and I'm fairly confident that it's not in there now, but watch it. As we get closer to the election and they see that they're going to lose massively, they'll probably try it. They will probably try it. And so are the Republicans going to do anything about it? Are Democrats ever going to be held accountable for their aiding and abetting in the violation of our immigration law? Are they ever going to be held accountable as accomplices after the fact or accomplices to any crimes committed by illegal immigrants by them shielding and helping the illegal immigrants be in the country unlawfully? Hmm? Nothing, nothing. Because of course the Democrats, they just look at everything and go, well, we're not bound by any laws or constitution. We're just going to do whatever we want because the Republican Party will never hold them accountable or take any action to stop. Starting to notice a theme developing here on this Sunday brief. Now, backing up for just a moment where I talked about how the Democrats were using the powers of government to harass and target parents who are outraged and speaking out at their local school boards. Well, the Democrats, well, they're desperate to find something to try and shut this down anything to shut it down. First, they tried to say that if you're against the school teaching kids to hate each other based on the color of the skin, then you're the racist for opposing racist teaching. And they tried that. Oh boy, did they ever try that. But the problem was video after video of black and Hispanic parents speaking out at these school boards, talking about how this teaching is wrong and how they will not stand for the school board teaching their kids to be racist and teaching other kids to be racist against their kids. And they tried to say that all, all of these, you know, uh, black and Hispanic parents, they're supporting white supremacy. 
Well, as more and more videos continue to surface, they're starting to go, oh, wait a minute. We're just basically saying that the entire black community are so much of the black community supports white supremacy. We're calling them a bunch of names. Of course, the Democrats are always putting down the black and Hispanic community, saying they're too stupid to be expected to learn how to read, write, and do math. That education is white supremacy, so we must not expect minorities to get an education. Of course, the Democrats promote that view, claiming that they support the black and Hispanic communities when their real objective is to keep them dumb and dependent upon the Democrats to tell them what to think. Well, all of this attack did nothing. It hasn't been working. So they have their new line of attack, and that is parents' sudden interest in school boards is just an astroturf effort orchestrated by seasoned right-wing political operatives. Yes, if you're concerned about what the schools are teaching your kids, it's a right-wing conspiracy, astroturf, and that all of these parents are being suckered in by right-wing political operatives. Now, you notice how they never talk in these terms about any of the left-wing activities, you know, about all of the Black Lives Matter riots and Antifa violence and all of that. No, 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 no. Or any of their transgender movement. No, 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 no. That's not orchestrated by left-wing political operatives. Those are organic. But parents who up until the pandemic, when kids were learning remotely, had no idea what their kids were being taught, just assumed that it was the same stuff they were taught when they were in school. Reading, writing, math, that history doesn't change. You know, who believe that. But then when they moved to remote learning as a result of the pandemic, for the first time, found out what their kids were actually being told in schools. Because let's face it, the schools have done everything they can to hide what they were teaching from the parents. And they were hiding it in two ways. One, never sending the homework or assignments home with the kids for the parents to be able to review what was being taught in the classroom. And two, specifically telling the kids, don't tell your parents this. Don't say anything to your parents about this. So when they moved to remote learning, parents were finding out for the first time what was actually being taught in the classroom and finding out they were outraged. But of course, according to the Democrats, this is not genuine outrage by concerned parents. No, 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 no. This is astroturf orchestrated by right-wing political operatives. Can't be that the parents are genuinely concerned that the schools are teaching their kids to hate each other based off of skin color or fictional notions such as transgenderism where boys can claim to be girls and girls can claim to be boys and that somehow makes it real rather than education. It can't be that parents are concerned about the fact that the schools are engaging and dumbing down their kids and engaging in pure propaganda and indoctrination instead of education which they are supposed to do. So to answer the left question, why are parents suddenly outraged? Because we finally find out what is being taught. It's hard to be outraged about things that you do not know about, things that are hidden from you, because you can't be mad about what you don't know. It's only now that we know that has caused this outrage. It's not right-wing political operatives. No, it's concerned parents by the way, on both sides of the political aisle, there's a lot of Democrat parents who are pissed off and upset at the school board for what they are teaching. 
So, but yeah, this is the Democrats' narrative. They can't defend what they are doing, so they got to try to attack the people and the character of the people who are speaking out against them. Go figure. And of course, beyond just trying to keep the nation divided and telling kids to hate each other based off of the color of their skins, the end goal here for the Democrats through the school system is to raise kids that will come to hate their constitutional rights and freedoms. So they will voluntarily surrender them and cheer on the implementation of an authoritarian government. And trying to strip away the First Amendment rights of parents speaking out concerned at these school boards, or just trying to take away the First Amendment rights of anybody who disagrees with them on anything, the First Amendment is not the only right that we have that the left is attacking. The left has come up with a new line of attack on our Second Amendment, coming from Amnesty International, which argues that the Second Amendment violates international laws on human rights set by the UN Human Rights Council, or whatever it's called right now. I know they've changed their name, which is also filled with some of the biggest human rights abusers on the face of the earth. But they're trying to say that allowing people to own guns is a violation of international laws on human rights, and that somehow our Constitution is subservient to the international law set by the United Nations for what happens within our border. Okay. So we all know that this is a garbage argument, a let's throw something up against the wall and see if it sticks. First off, our constitution is the supreme law of our land within our borders. It is not subservient to international laws or what the international community thinks we should be able to do as far as whether or not we have the right to own a gun. But they're trying to claim that we are subservient to international laws and the Second Amendment is a violation of human rights. The right to self-defense is a violation of human rights? Now, can we think of a reason why some of the biggest human rights abusers that sit on the UN's Human Rights Council may want to try and declare that the ability of the citizen to protect itself is a violation of human rights somehow? I mean, this is a joke. And sadly, they actually filed a brief on this. And they're also claiming that even states with the most severe gun control laws, such as New York State or California, are still in violation of international laws on human rights, according to this brief, according to the left. This entire thing reeks of desperation, but you know that if the left goes and files a lawsuit, they're going to make sure that they file it in the district with the most extreme left-wing nut job for a judge that they can possibly go with in order for that judge to go, you know what, to hell with the Constitution. Somehow we are subservient to these human rights abusers who sit on the Human Rights Council and that, no, uh, even though our Constitution says it, we do not have rights to bear arms anymore. You know that's what they're going for. So they're trying to use the idea of international laws, which, by the way, As far as international laws go, they only are in effect in international waters, not within sovereign nations, by the way. So it doesn't even apply. But we cannot be subservient, according to the Constitution, to other countries' laws or even a group of countries' laws. So the Constitution is not subservient to international laws. So this entire brief should be just tossed out. But this is their next attack because everything else has failed. Their only way to try and strip us of our Second Amendment is to try and claim that we are subservient to international law. 
set by the UN. And just like they're panicking or just like they're throwing stuff up against the wall in a desperate attempt to try and strip us of our Second Amendment rights, they are desperate and in fear of the 2022 midterm. Yes, they are. I mean, just think about this. Democrats are introducing a bill to abolish the debt ceiling, to make it so that they never have to agree on the debt ceiling. Again, they have either option A, which is abolish the debt ceiling altogether, or B, give it to Treasury Secretary as a power to raise the debt limit on her own. Now, first of all, option B is completely and totally unconstitutional, for one, but abolish the debt ceiling altogether so that the Democrats have no restraint on their spending, which would allow them to just spend all they want, anything on everything, you know, to borrow as much money and which will go the way of Venezuela, where our money will become absolutely worthless and our economy will completely and totally collapse. I mean, usually, you know, the reason why we have a debt ceiling is to have some concessions going, okay, we're butting up against the debt ceiling. You want to raise the debt ceiling? Well, then we need to agree on some spending cut. You know, at least that's what the Republicans usually try to get as part of an agreement to raise the debt ceiling. The Democrats, they want to go off and, you know, just spend money on a bunch of stuff that the government has no business spending money on. So we know that they are desperate. They want to get rid of the debt ceiling so that they can spend endlessly without ever having to negotiate spending cuts or any other type of reform. And they're doing this as we also find out that we that there are warnings that because of inflation, heating costs for the coming winter could double in some areas and go up by nearly 50% in other areas for energy. In fact, if you have electric heating, that is the cheapest option where it's likely only going to go up about 30% over next year. So we got massive rapid inflation that is going on. And the Democrats, they want to get rid of the debt ceiling altogether so that they can spend endlessly. Of course, as they do so, it will only drive inflation up higher as they make the money worth less and less and less. But they want to be able to continue to spend the money so that they can develop new programs to offset the effects through government subsidies of the inflation caused by their spending, which is only going to redo the cycle over and over and over again until, yes, we completely collapse like Venezuela. But the Democrats are desperate. They think they can get out of debt by digging out the bottom. They can spend their way out of debt is what they are trying to go for. It's almost as if our elected leaders at this particular point in time know that we have already crossed the point of no return, that our debt level is so outrageous, so astronomical that there is absolutely zero hope of ever being able to bring it down or pay it off, and that no matter what they do, the economy is going to end up collapsing. So instead of trying to fix the financial problem or the crisis that is coming around, they're just trying to manage it so that the crisis hits slowly and hoping that somehow that the slow implementation or the slow you know, effects of the financial crisis that is coming as a result of their reckless spending will allow them to be able to, at least for the older ones, serve the rest of their time and hopefully maybe die of old age before they have to deal with the repercussions of it. And as far as the younger uh, members of Congress go, I don't know, maybe they're just pure idiots or maybe they think that they can display or not display, but delay long enough for them to set up their exit plan on how they plan to get out of this or how they could try and spin it as to say, well, they were the ones trying to stop the suffering that will be caused by the financial collapse. But you see here, they're not even trying. 
you know, almost as if they've already given up. They've looked at all the options. And what they are hiding from we, the people, is that there's no way to stop the coming collapse. And therefore, they're just going to manage the decline. Now, in the last bit of news, and I'm going to leave this off on a high note, a good note, you know, because it's not all bad. But according to Gallup, since Biden has taken office, the majority of Americans now favor limited role of government. All right. Now, while the headline sounds good, it's not as good as we would hope. So after a record high number of Americans said last year that the federal government should do more to solve the nation's problem, a new survey from Gallup finds that most Americans have reverted to thinking that government should have a more limited role. Last September, when the nation was firmly in the grips of the coronavirus pandemic, with states locked down, businesses closed, and racial unrest dominating the headlines, a record high 54% of U.S. adults surveyed say uh, by Gallup that the government should do more to solve the problems. So at least the good news is, is when the majority of Americans said the government should do more, it wasn't a big majority. It was like a 4% majority. But now we get in the year since then uh, that Biden has taken office and started a massive expansion of federal government's role in the pandemic response. Biden signed a $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief bill into law last spring, and Democrats are seeking to follow that up with another $1 trillion infrastructure bill and a $3.5 trillion spending bill funding free community college tuition, childcare, paid family leave, Medicaid expansion, and the climate agenda. Well, now Gallup finds that 52% of Americans say that the government is doing too many things and should be left to individuals and businesses, while 43% say the government needs to do more to solve the problem. So there's only a 6% swing. So yes, while it's good that over half America thinks the government should do less. That is a very slim 2% majority that believes it should do less. That means we have 48% of the country, which are stupid, and another 43% of the country, or at least 43% of that, that says the government should do more to solve problems, are complete morons without any idea or any grasp of what they are doing and how it will destroy the country. All right, so I guess it's a bit of a positive note. But not really. And when after everything that is done, you still have 43% of the country saying the government needs to do more and a total of 48% of the government says, yeah, we would like the government to do more. That is not a good sign. When you got that much of the country, that stupid, how long can we last? All right. I know I said I was going to leave it on a positive note, but just slightly positive. All right. That's it uh, for the Sunday brief. I'd like to thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to leave me a rating and review, and I will be back again soon. 